0: You're listening to a Bork podcast. Welcome to Bork Business. <gasps> Welcome to Bork Business. Today, I'm talking bods. And when I mean bods, I mean staff. I need mean, people that you recruit. Uh, first of all, look, he's not here. Hoorah. Now, uh, unfortunately, Jeff isn't around this week. He's otherwise occupied doing salesy stuff. That's what he does, goes out and sells, doing his salesy stuff. Um, But frankly, it doesn't matter because really he has no dealing with the staff, does he? Anyone? No, zero. Uh, I've done all the recruitment. So let's talk about that. When you start a business, one of the hardest things you've got to do is decide, is it a business? So is it something where you're going to need people Or is it a kind of, you know, you're a self-person, as we've discussed in a previous episode, where you're doing your work yourself, you maybe hire a couple of people for a job. And when I started, that's exactly what I did. So my first uh, business was my own company, and it was just me. And what I used to do was I'd go and pitch for work with people like the BBC and Sky, and it was mainly broadcasting work. But also I did some stuff with commercial companies, which is how I got into the corporate world. And once I did a bit of that, you'd send. A job and they say, oh, can you do some media training or could you create a video about something? And so the first thing I do is uh, do the classic thing that you probably all do. uh, You ring up your network. So I'd ring up the people that I knew at the BBC, my old friends there and say, look, could you do this job? How much would it be? And this was a very tricky thing. This is quite an interesting one. It's about how you negotiate with friends because you start off uh, when you're you know if you're unless you're like the Alan sugars of the world and you're out there as we said in previous episodes and you're doing it most of us will have had a career we'll have had a career where we've learned our jobs we've learned what we're doing and we would have met people who've become our friends and we would work with them and then you decide to go on your own and you start off and the thing you do is you as I said leverage your network so ringing your friends up and then saying To someone that you've worked with, and you've both been paid by someone else in the past, and then suddenly it's coming from your budget—that's quite an interesting conversation. So I'd ring up some of my friends at the Beeb and say, "Look, got this job where I need you to bring a, you know, do the filming for me, and then there's this edit." And I wasn't very good at editing in those days, so I used to sort of hire and think, "You know what? It's much easier to get someone in." And in, in in some of the jobs, I needed to get a sound man, and it's what is someone worth? And that's one of the first things that I think you have to work out, which is you work with your friends and you say, let's do this job. And there's what they would charge a big company normally. And then there's the mates rates thing. And the mates rates thing is probably something that you you, you try and leverage. But also you've got to work out whether that's what is right what you're trying to do and also whether it works for the uh, the client that you're working for so the client might say they hire you which happened to me and they say I want you to make this video and this is delivery date and this is what it is and the budget was really tight so I then had to make a decision do I go and hire the people that I know would make a really good job but I then get less money or do they hire them and ask them to work for a lot less than they normally would Or do I say, actually, what we do is we go out onto the market? And generally what I did was I sort of did the the, the middle one. I sort of said to people, look, uh, I didn't really do the full middle one. I? I had to survive, so you've got to make money for yourself. But I used to say, look, you'd normally charge me, say, 700 a day, can you do it for 500, yeah? And work around that way. And I think that is the first thing that you have to do is learn to negotiate with your friends and your network when you're trying to get people to do the jobs. The joy of that kind of working when you're working for yourself is really simple because you just deliver. You deliver to a client. So you, in my world it was basically I went, did a film shoot or created a video, I sat with whoever my colleague was, created the product, took it to the client, did a review and done and dusted. So I never had to manage my friend I never had to say to them, look, you've got to do this and do that and be here at this time and what you're doing, because it was a one-day job or a two-day job or even a week job. So when you're doing that kind of work where you're bringing people in freelance, things are a lot easier. The disadvantages, obviously, you have to pay them at a higher rate because people are just doing a job and they're not being hired by you on ongoing. So there's no uh, consistency or permanency, which people obviously need. but the benefit is you just literally work in a way that's simple and straight, which is, this is one, one contract, here it is, do it with me, don't have to worry about any other stuff. So that was it, and that's the way I'd been working. And then when Jeff and I uh, started um, our first uh, company, uh, on Message, we pretty much did the same thing. So we worked in the sense where we were the only real employees, and we'd bring in freelance people as and when jobs got on. That started to change as we start to realise that actually once you start getting more and more clients you need to be able to deliver regularly. What is the biggest problem? Have you got a bond to do it? So you might get a job that suddenly turns up and someone says you need someone to do it tomorrow and you ring your network and they're all busy. And we were starting to find that more and more and more. So you then realise what you do need is to recruit people yourself. So when we started to move towards that phase with OnMessage in particular, uh, we realized that we had to make a choice. Now this is a choice that I think a lot of companies have, which is what do you do? do you go and recruit and it depends on your business obviously some businesses you could consider low skilled and you say you know and it's no kind of uh, denigration on people who do shop work you can say you can get someone in say do some shop work or you know bust some tables and it doesn't require a lot of skill i personally think it does because i've never tried to balance any plates on my hands and I don't know how people do it but you know you could see that you can have higher turnovers the muck job they call it where you get someone in you say right here's minimal training in you go you do it and you don't expect them to stick around for that long but there's a high turnover and you just keep getting people in to to do that sort of work you don't have to give them much responsibility you know what they're going to do they're going to do it for a certain job for a period I mean and you just basically say yeah fine that's done what we were going to do is something very different because we were in the TV game and in the TV game and any other uh, occupation we got a, a neighbor in one of the office blocks next door to us who's in IT and he's been struggling for years about whether to get the right staff because you've got to have people who have got the ability to do what you need and that's a high skill thing but then you've got to work out can you afford to pay them you know without sort of you know when you're starting off that hardest period is when you start off how do you make sure that you can run the business you know so I had a chat, I remember chatting to some of my <clears throat> BBC colleagues and, and mates and I was saying, I don't know what to do here because obviously I need people but I can't afford that rate because otherwise there'd be no money. Uh, and uh, an, an example of this, uh, uh, Jeff will remind me, we we did one job for a, a client where by the time we had paid for the cameraman, we had a sound man, we had to go and get it edited uh, and we had to pay for expenses, etc. to get there. I think at the end of it, Jeff and I made twenty quid each. What was the point of that? Yeah, it took us I think it was three shoots over a period of a week and a half and it was basically two weeks' work for twenty quid. It was stupid. It was it was ridiculous. But it was because I was struggling with saying I need that kind of quality that you know will get me the work and how do I get that unless I use the people I, I know. And a friend of mine had just left the for a, a sabbatical and he'd gone over to Australia. And he found it very different there because he was highly skilled camera person, but he couldn't get work in Aussie because they had this whole thing about, you know, they hired Aussies or whatever, whatever. Uh, but he did see something which he said was interesting. And, and that stuck with me, which is, they had a model where they got young people in and they trained them up. And so I then had this thought, right, If we're going to do this business, there's only one way we can really survive. And it is a very difficult one, which is to take young people and train them up. So we went looking for young graduates uh, initially, but we've had uh, several non-graduates. And I don't really give stuff about whether someone's a graduate or not, but it's really about whether they've got the aptitude for the job. And our first hire was for uh, a camera editor person, because I knew that was a skill base that we didn't have. And that's the thing you've got to look at is when you're hiring someone, what are you hiring them for? You know, are you hiring them for your ego? Oh, I want someone to help me out. No, they should be someone that's vital for your business. Now, you could say at the time that we made that first hire, uh, I could have done it myself. But for the reasons I was saying where work was coming in more often, which is great, you know, if your partner's making the sales, as Jeff was, you've got to deliver. And as if there's only one of you, you can't be doing that. Plus my skill base was okay, but my job was really as a, you know, as a journalist and I'd learned the camera work and the editing as a side thing. So we then decided I'm going to hire someone who can do that. And our first hire was Simon who uh, has gone on to big things with Spielberg and other people. So, uh, hello, Jay if you're watching. Um, but, you know, it was a tricky hire because you, you, you'd, I'd never managed anyone before. All I'd ever done is work in sort of small teams in the BBC. Jeff certainly hadn't managed anyone, couldn't manage himself. Uh, and so you ended up basically thinking, right, you're going to hire someone who'd just come out of uni, found them through this sort of government graduate talent pool. And, you know, we had no money. So this was a big leap of faith for us and for for Simon who was employees at number one and and that was basically to say look come on board uh, you'll do three months where we'll cover your expenses but we can't give you any money as a, as a wage and you know I don't think looking back you know if we could have paid we certainly would have and, and as soon as we could we, we did but was the only way we could really get started was taking the goodwill of the young people who joined us at the beginning saying to them look we can't give you the money that you really need right now but you know stick with us go through your probation period of three months and then we'll try and get you some salary and it did work out that way but it was tough and it was what was the toughest thing about hiring it was really will you know what someone is in an interview and the idea is that in an interview you sort of explore the person. I think that, frankly, is, is bollocks. I don't think that works. I think you can get an idea. You can look at CV and get some idea, and then when you meet the person, you get a, a stronger idea. But the real truth is, you don't know until they come and work, and you don't know until they come and work after a few weeks because initially, whenever anyone starts, they're on their best behaviour, and you know nothing, none of their foibles really come out. And after time, you realise exactly what they've got. So this thing was a big change for us to take two men in our 40s as we were then and suddenly have a young kid who's 22 and you suddenly go oh my god you're dealing with a student you've got all that sort of stuff that you never really thought about because you'd left it all behind you realized what you were like when you yeah. were that age and that decision to go and hire young i think was a brilliant decision we made but it was very challenging and the challenges were because of what young people are which is they have a certain way of thinking, a certain way of doing, they've come out of uni, so they have no, very few of them have any real work experience of what a working life is. And it's different, you know, it's different to say, oh, go on, do this, it's a college project, Uh, give you six weeks to do it, to say, hang on, you've got this turn around in six hours. You also have to have responsibility. You also have to have, when you're a very small company, you're gonna have these people that you're hiring. You're gonna have to give them responsibility. So you have gotta trust them. You have gotta make sure the people are trustworthy. And I have to say, the greatest thing we've had is, well, apart from probably one exception, uh, we've had 100% trustworthy people, which is you know a mark of how many good people are out there if you, if you look out for them. Uh, but that challenge really was, how do I manage this person who's almost like a son to me, you know, young kid that's come in, who's very different, uh, was a bit surly, you won't mind me saying, uh, but you know, very creative and, and brought that stuff. And as we brought in new people, we had more staff that came in and I had to train them. I had to train them in camera work and then I had to train the journalists and that was a, oh my God, that was a nightmare. So all of these sudden things, you find yourself being um, not just someone who hires, but in the way we were doing it, and the way I was doing it, I said, like, Jeff, you carry on doing what you need to do, which is get the business money, sales. I'll take over the hiring and the recruitment and then the training. And when you do it yourself, it is very stressful. You have to make allowances for what is happening. I remember the young version of me And my God, the amount of cock-ups I made. And so what do you expect? You hire people and you're suddenly used to working with people at your level. You know, especially if you leave a business, you know, you start a business after you've had a bit of a career, so 10, 15 years or so. You're used to people being mature. You're used to people being at your level and you suddenly go, well, why are you making that mistake? Well, why wouldn't they make that mistake? They're going to make that mistake because they're young, because they haven't had the experience. So your patience level has to be higher. Um, Things that I struggled with were behavioural issues. You know, behavioural issues were were big ones. There were many incidents I can't even go through. But, uh, you know, they were the things that as more people came in, they they became the issues that you had to deal with. Then you've also got to look at the dynamics. So, you know, we are a very boisterous company, uh, and that's mainly come from us. And the reason it's come from us is, frankly, we've always thought we'd like to work at ELN. You know, if we went back to being young, which I'd love to be, uh, I would want to work at Eln. The reason being, the first company I worked at, the culture was hideous. So I always felt like I was a kind of, you know, uh, I felt bullied. felt bullied by my first boss, uh, who told me everything I did was shit all the time, and the other young graduate who was there was, was brilliant. I felt massively under pressure, you know, we had huge workloads. Uh, which, okay, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that was a bad thing because it taught me how to, to deal with pressure and actually helped me a lot in my f- future career. But the way it was done wasn't good. The, the, the way the culture was designed to make you feel always insecure wasn't good. And that's one thing that I said we were never going to do here. So we, you know, we won't stand for that. And, um, you know, that is the thing that I can't stand. A, a bullying boss, and I've had a few in my time. I think they are, frankly, well out of it. You know, you shouldn't. You should never be managing people if you end up bullying them. And if you bully them, then you know there's something seriously wrong. If you think that's the only way you can get something out of them, no good. Does that mean you can't? You, you have to be soft? No, you can be firm. You can be straightforward. And God, I've sent a few rockets. They have a phrase in these parts called the alley chat because we've got a small alley outside the office where uh, I take people out for a bollocking or a dressing down. But those are done not because I've I've got a vent. They're done because they have to be done for one reason only. You know, you've screwed up because you haven't listened. Generally that's the real reason that happens. You haven't listened or you haven't taken care in what you're doing. It's not ever, I think there's one occasion where it's been malicious. You know, someone's done something malicious, but hardly ever. So that whole thing of kind of, you know, how do you manage people, I think is the biggest barrier to getting your business to grow. Because you've got to get people to buy into what you're doing. You've got to get them to feel that they are belonging. And when you hire young people, you've got to think about what they want. So we, that was our model. If you're hiring older people, you'll have different challenges. You know, you're, you're probably working with people who've got you know, parental responsibilities and they need flexibility, and there's all those other things that come with that. But you know, I can only talk about what we did, and we've continued to do. And I feel a bit like, uh, a sort of a, you know, a, a crap version of Alec Ferguson, but we've had several incarnations of teams here at ELN. Uh, apart from one consistent bedrock, which is Pre, who's been absolutely brilliant and you know been with me. But you know the journey that she's been through has been incredible, hasn't it, Pre? Yeah. She, she, you know she came in here, didn't say a word, and now they all quake in their boots when she turns up. So so there's there's the thing. No, but people grow. And, you know, we've always had the other thing, when you, when you take on young people, you have to take the, the, the thing that is the hardest thing is I think is adjusting to how they feel things are. Because I think when I, I look about, you know, I've got a son who's coming up to 21, and you do need to give young people reassurance, because I don't think they get enough of that. But I also think right now, there I say it, I'll get shot down for being an old git, but there is a snowflake, millennial culture here where people think that they can just get on with it after doing six months' work. Oh, I want a promotion. I want a pay rise. I'm there, you know. Oh, oh, that's a bit late. I don't. Oh no, I've got to do it this weekend. I can't. I can't work there. Yeah, you know, these are things that you know. In my time, you just couldn't say that to your boss, you know. So there are ways that I think. Are a disservice to young people because of the way the education sector has got. Now you may disagree with that. Fair enough. But that's my been my that's been my um, my god the watch keeps talking. Uh, my uh, my issue is that really I think there's been a lot of stuff where uh, young people are told they're brilliant all the time, brilliant all the time, and then it comes to the working world, and then the first time they make a mistake and someone says something to them, they can't handle it, and I think that is a disservice to people. So hiring people. You've got to look at what they what they feel. So I think that's the most important thing. What do they feel? You know, you get a feeling about people when they come for an interview about whether they really want the job, whether they you feel that they would give something to it, which is the most important thing. But for me also, uh, not some sort of you know Mother Teresa, but what will they get out of it? You know, when I hire people, I always think what will they get out of doing this time with us. And, you know, we want them to stay as long as they can. And most people, we've been very grateful that they've spent, you know, on average about three years with us sometimes far more. And, you know, that's what you want because it takes time when you've got young people, uh, particularly. But I think with any staff, it takes time to A, get to know them and then to find out how they basically develop in their roles. So for you to, to, to train people, I always say to me, To anyone who comes on give me three years right because it'll take me three years to get you to a level where you're skilled up you've learned the things you need and then if you want to go you go you know we never we've never never stopped people and that's the thing that you've got to realize is that your staff are your business Without your staff, you have no business. Well, that's not truly true. You can, as I say, you go back and you can downsize and go back to yourself, but that depends. Is that the kind of business you really want to run, which is fine. Some people say to me, are you mad? Never have any staff. And they run very successful businesses. They just work on a kind of freelance pool and they use them as and when. That's for that. For me, no, I love it. I love coming to the office. I love the fact that we have banter. I love the fact that we've got loads of people. And the great thing about you know, going back to you know, not some crusade about hiring young people people but they come with something different. They come with different ideas all the time. You don't have to agree with all of them, but the main thing is I kind of feel it's a bit like, you know, provided you give them a railway line. So you say these are these are the parameters, then you should go. And in small companies the great thing is you can say to people, go with ideas. You know, when you work in big companies and I, I think this is the big culture problem that small companies have when they're trying to aspire to be big, is they go, oh, you do this and that's it. So if you're just doing video, that's all you'll do, right? Well, why, why can't they do some reporting? Why can't they do some writing? Why can't they do uh, event work? Why do you have to do one thing? I used to hate being pigeonholed. When I joined the BBC, I was seen as a researcher, and we had a reunion just the other day, and someone went, oh, yeah, yeah you're the researcher that made good. No, I ain't, you know? I did the research, then I moved on to reporting, then I moved on to producing, then I moved on to presenting. I did loads of different things. And big companies have this thing that they silo you, they put you in something. And I think that the, the advantage for young people to go work in a big company is that, you know, you're going to probably get more money, you're going to get, you know, certainly better working environment. And, you know, it's that kind of kudos, hey, I work for an apple or I work for whoever, et cetera, et cetera. I think the big fault with big companies is they don't see them as humans. And uh, that, I think, is the thing that, 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 you know, you can give as a smaller company. A couple of issues with staff, well, obviously discipline, that is a killer. And uh, we've had to fire people, and that isn't easy. Uh, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a bit like that James Bond movie, Casino Royale, where he does the first kill and he says, oh, it's really, really difficult. And then uh, the guy says, uh, how was your second one? He says, well, don't worry, your second will be much easier. And then he just shoots him. That's true. Uh, the first one was hard. Uh, and funnily enough, the, the person that uh, I had to sack was actually one of the older people that we'd recruited. And that's the other funny thing. We, maybe it's to do with us, but in this office, generally the people we've had have all been in their early 20s and they've obviously grown up with us. When we've hired older people, they haven't worked out. And I wonder why that is. Is that because of our failing? Maybe it is, maybe we, we create a culture that it only works for younger people. Or is it because many of them come with so much of kind of what they think they have that they find it harder to adapt to a smaller company uh, mentality. Anyway, this person crossed the line and uh, I knew and Jeff knew that we had to get rid of the person. And, you know, I did worry about it. I'll be brutally honest, I uh, lost sleep over it because whatever you may think, even though this was a really open and shut case about what happened and there was no way this person could stay due to their actions, you, you, you realise this is someone who's got a job, they have you know, responsibilities, this person had a child. There's all these things and you sort of do have a think about that. But at the end of the day, that is the hardest decision you make. Hiring is easy because you go, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to work with you. You're going to help this company develop you. We're going to work together. Firing is completely different because you're saying to someone you haven't worked out. And you haven't worked out for this reason. And that, I think, again, you know, I haven't done any HR stuff. I haven't done a kind of psychology degrees or any of that sort of stuff. And frankly, you don't need it. you just got to know, can you be empathetic? And you've got to do it. But there's a line between being kind of empathetic and you still have to do the deed. And, you know, there's been several since then where we've had to get rid of them because they weren't functioning. They weren't doing the job. Well, why, why should I pay you? We're a tiny business. You know, we're a small business that needs everyone to pull together and if one person in the team isn't pulling together and the others are having to pick up the work it's much harder in a smaller company so I think that you know you have to have the balls to make that decision and once you can do that of, of getting rid of someone it's hard it's really difficult but you then realize that you become stronger for it and I think that's the only one the only bit of advice I can give you is you know if you're going to to hire people be prepared to make that moment where you fire them. Losing people is also hard because, particularly in a small company, you have a, a family atmosphere. And, you know, have had many staff uh, that have gone on and, you know, I've been really upset to see them go. But that's the other thing, you know, when you hire young people, you, you know that they may be here just for a short time. We'd like them to stay longer. You know, we, we're encouraging uh, the team that we have to, you know, commit and be with us for as long as they want to be with us and help to to grow the company. Uh, but, you know, in the initial days, it was, it was obvious that people were coming for a short time and it is sad to see them go, but it's great. You know, we have reunions, we, we see where they've gone and they've gone on to great things. And I think that makes you feel uh, uh, very good as well. And, and then the final thing around sort of, you know, um, people is that you have to make allowances in a small company, which is that, you know, we have... Uh, A very tight ship you know we have just enough people to do the job because if we had more then the company would be you know paying out far too much if we had less then you never know if you're gonna get enough work done and you you, you look at it so we've probably got core of what we need you have to balance you have to balance when they need holidays Uh, people have personal issues and there have been loads of those over the years and that's very hard to deal with as well. you know I've had people with uh, you know health issues, I've had people, dare I say, with mental health issues, and you've had all these things you have no idea how to deal with. You know things happen to people's families. people have issues that happen to their to their own kind of you know, not even to themselves, but affect them around themselves. And these are tough things because you look at it and you go, God, you know, I want to be empathetic because I'm a human and, you know, you like the person and you, 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 you want to help them, but you also have a business to run. And I think the only thing you can do there is you've got to think what is the right thing to do, you know, and, you know, sickness is one of those things. And in fact, uh, Rob won't mind me saying this, but when Rob joined uh, and he, he'd, he'd fallen ill, he rang up uh, and, and he was worried that because he was sick, he wasn't going to get paid and the truth is he's right by law i didn't have to pay him but why would i do that and you know why you know there are certain things that you can look at when you when you're dealing with people which is what is the law saying and what is the right thing to do and the law says that you don't have to do things like sick pay. You don't have to give people uh, certain rights. You just have to give them the statutory rights. Yeah, when it comes to redundancy, there's a statutory rules. Same with maternity cover, all these things. But are they the right things? Is it right to say to someone that actually, do you know what, uh, oh, hang on, uh, you know, this, this, this comes out of your holiday pay, as some companies I know do. By law, they're doing the right thing, but really? I could make people work on bank holidays, but why should I? Shouldn't they have bank holidays off? Of course they should. So there are certain things you've got to do where you look at it and you think there's a legal side, which you have to do to make sure people are safe. And those things are absolutely vital. So things like the insurances, all of that. But when it comes to the people side of things, when people need time off, when they're ill, you've got to make allowances. But your challenge is you still have a business to run. So the only way you can get around that is that you've got such a good team culture, which we brilliantly have here at ELN, that you can basically say to someone, listen, you're going to have to pick up the slack for your colleague, and you know that they'll do the same for them then. So in summary, I don't think if you're going to run a company, you can ever do it properly without the right people. And that is, apart from the sales, because without the sales, none of us are employed. But Without you hiring uh, the right people, then you're never going to be successful. And if you're the person in charge, you've got to look at yourself. And also you've got to decide, are you the right person to hire people? You know, uh, Jeff won't mind me saying, he's not. <laughs> I've always said Jeff's a bit like Roy Keane. He basically, he, he, if, if Roy Keane, if you know Roy Keane, is the footballer, he used to play for uh, Man United, uh, he used to play for uh, Nottingham Forest as well. He's the sort of footballer who would like, hit a pass, And then he tried to be a coach and he'd land a pass 60 yards. And then when his players at the lower levels couldn't do it, he'd he'd go mental. Why can't you do that? Jeff's a bit like that, which is get this done and do it. Um, You've got to be patient. So if you're going to recruit people, make sure you are the person who can recruit people. How Are you uh, able to do it? And I'm not trying to boast or say anything. I just kind of have fallen into it. And I've learned as the years have gone on, you know, we've been running company now for nine years so you learn how to deal with people and it's very hard it's the hardest thing you ever do is 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 deal with people so uh but don't do it if you're not a person that can get on with people you haven't got that emotional intelligence then you shouldn't do it at all stick to running a business where you just hire people in and you just do them as a sort of commodity buyer but if you find the right people boom what more as i say mic drop what more do you want that's the way to do it so uh, that's about it for this episode. Remember, get in touch with us. Uh, hit the subscribe button. I've tried to do the, what's it called? The dab, but I've failed at that. So I won't even bother. But I will say, keep watching, keep subscribing to Bork, and we'll see you very soon. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Podbean, and of course, follow us on Twitter.